So welcome to podcast number, ooh, who knows where we are now, somewhere in the ether, almost at 10, but not quite. Um, today's podcast, Therese, what are we discussing? So today we are discussing a topic that has been uh, discussed at length in the sailing community over many, many years, but Nick and I have never tackled this subject head on ourselves, and it is quite relevant to what we're doing. So we thought we would finally dive into the thorny subject of catamaran versus manahol. There you go. Well, welcome to a huge amount of pushback from the diehard catamaran and monohull sailors. I think that we have one foot in each camp at the moment. We have a monohull and we're going to a cat. And so where are we going to start, Therese? So we decided to uh, divide this podcast into four subjects so that we can kind of provide some structure around this discussion. And we are going to talk about cost, safety, livability and performance in terms of comparing and contrasting catamaran and monohull boats. The first category that we're going to discuss is cost. So comparing the costs of catamarans versus monohulls. Now, this may actually end up being the deciding factor when it comes to whether or not to buy a catamaran or a monohull because the fact is that catamarans do tend to be more expensive than monohulls. So Nick, why don't you um, give us your thoughts on this? I'm going to break this into two parts. The first is the actual cost of ownership, which is, you know, the ongoing costs. But before that, let's talk about the actual the purchase price. As a rule of thumb, like for like, a catamaran will cost you 50% more than a monohull. Now, that that's a broad strokes thing. But realistically speaking, price is absolute. So what I mean by that is that you pay for what you get. So, you know, if you're buying a production catamaran, a 40-foot production catamaran, you are looking at about 40, 50% more for the production catamaran based uh, as opposed to the production monohull. Let's look at something like Naughty Tech, which is produced by Bavaria Yachts. So same cut, same factories, um, I believe, for the fit-out. Um, but essentially, it's the same products that go into that. So the, the like, um, you know, a Bavaria fully kitted out, is going to be uh, one price, 50% more for the Naughty Tech catamaran. So that's a good analogy thereabouts. So like for like, catamaran 50% more. Now ongoing costs is, uh, it, there are a lot of different strands to this. The one that most people talk about is mooring costs. Now different marinas in different parts of the world will charge you more to more ca a catamaran. Now this can range from in very rarely the same costs and the only place we ever found where catamaran mooring was the same as monohull mooring was St. Carlos La Rapita in Spain, which is why it was full of catamarans. Um, however, you're normally looking at 50% to two times to 100% more to more a catamaran in a marina. Yeah, well, let's just clarify. That's because some marinas, particularly marinas that have a lot of catamarans coming through um, or where space is a premium, um, they charge uh, kind of a different tariff for, for multi-holes than they do for monoholes yeah. because a catamaran obviously takes up two berths, yeah. um, whereas a monohull takes up the one berth. And so, so yes, so that is an ongoing cost that you do need to bear in mind. The other thing is that you know these boats need to be hauled and lifted and... There are a few marinas that we've come across that actually have a lift for a catamaran. Normally they have to be tracted out. Now that then means in a lot of cases, especially in the Caribbean, that we found that those yards that could pull catamarans had the, you know, they cornered the market and their prices were significantly higher for lift outs and things. So lift out storage, mooring 
it does cost significantly more and you do need to budget for that when you set off. The other thing to consider is that uh, modern catamarans have only been built obviously um, quite recently so when you are looking at a boat particularly if you are on a tighter budget let's say you have you know $50,000 to spend on a boat then you're not going to find a catamaran for $50,000 because the monoholes that you find for $50,000 are probably built in the 70s or 80s and there are very few catamarans being built back at that time. Um, certainly no production catamarans I'm aware of. So you have less choice when it comes to catamarans. You can only really buy relatively recent boats. Whereas monoholes, you know, you buy a, a 30 or 40 year old monohull and really monohull design, it's been refined in that intervening time, but is not fundamentally changed. Um, so you can still obviously get a, an absolutely fantastic craft uh, built in the 70s or 80s, um, but the costs will be a lot lower. So that's just another consideration. I'm going to step in there that just to, to briefly outline the development of catamaran design. If you look to kind of like the original catamarans, the Warham cats that came from Polynesia and kind of James Warham building cats, it then evolved into mostly a lot of the French actually building catamarans in garages with plywood or in other cases, aluminium and steel. But it's the, you're correct that the last probably 10 to 20 years you've seen you know, the advent of five axis milling machines and CAD designs that have really allowed Catarand design to come forward in both, you know, the way that they're styled, but also the way that they perform and how they slam and, you know, their sea kindly ability. So Catarand design has come on hugely. The change in Catarand design in 20 years has been far, far more significant than the change in monohull design. Now, obviously another complete strand is how monohull design has evolved over the last 30 or 40 years. And that is something I do know a lot about, but seeing as we're not discussing monohull, <laughs> hull shapes and design and trends, let's leave that for another day. Yeah, let's leave that for another day. So let's move on to safety. Now, this is a subject that I think is very hotly debated um, in, in the kind of internet forums that are discussing this topic. Um, catamarans do unfortunately have a bit of a reputation for being less safe than monohulls, particularly when you're looking at kind of cruising offshore in heavy weather. Nick, I'm sure you have thoughts. Obviously, I have thoughts. I have <laughs> thoughts going on my head every minute of the day and most of the night. Okay, look, the, this is this is my best educated answer. This is not just my opinion. I'm kind of moving away from simply my opinion that is, you know, based on hunches. A couple of things: you get caught out in rough enough weather, you are going to get yourself into severe amounts of trouble on monohull or catamaran. I think the where this is going is that people say, well, catamarans tip over. Yes, catamarans do tip over, and modern catamarans can capsize. It does happen. It is hugely, hugely rare. It's very, very rare for them to tip to, to capsize. For them to capsize, one of a few things needs to happen. Either, in most cases, um, there is some catastrophic failure of, of the boat, either you know which causes there to be structural failures. Um, but that doesn't often lead to a capsize. The the the, the boat will break up. More often than not, the problems that occur are linked to the boat being in weather that it is not designed for. Now, while all catamarans are, you know, they should be, you know, category A rated, you find that in the, if you read the reports as to why catamarans disappeared were demasted or otherwise, it is a lot of the time, the it's weather dependent, it's the weather that causes it, but there is often, 
often a huge component of um, just operator error errors created by the crew errors created by you know navigation where they navigated into a really into a, a bad area unfortunately we've heard a story about i think a catamaran that dismasted in the atlantic and they for whatever reason and I, i'm not sitting in my armchair judging them because you make horrendous mistakes when you are tired and sleep deprived on passage especially if the weather is bad but that crew that uh, that drowned in the atlantic on a, on a delivery trip with a catamaran they apparently um they went the wrong way they turned into a hurricane rather than away from it so they didn't run away from it yeah so there was a navigational error there was a navigational error i think it was actually the indian ocean yeah okay fine but anyway yeah you're you're absolutely right it it, it do, does tend to be um in actually most situations where a boat is is lost um or sinks or is capsized or whatever um it, it's you know a, a number of factors as i yeah. think the phrase is overtaken by events um so yes one thing that people do say in favor of catamarans is that they tend not to sink whereas monohulls do oh absolutely and there have been numerous there have been more cases of abandoned or scuppered catamarans floating ashore like a couple of years later still you know covered in barnacles so they don't tend to sink i do believe that the kind of People, the thing about catamarans is that most people see catamarans in, in the place where you see catamarans you either see um, them cruising around the Caribbean you know or your local you know tropical hotspot <laughs> or you see them like doing the America's Cup when they were right. using the AC-72s or you see them like the little Hobie cats on the beach or Hobie cats they do tip over yeah. th- th- those things do tip over in the same way that lasers you know you end up in the water you need trampolines and you know those those you know ac-72s or whatever they're called hooning around at 50 knots yeah they go wrong but you know within the tolerances of everything if you make the analogy of like driving a car you know you don't drive you you know your 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 little chrysler the same way that you know um the formula one cars drive that you know they're all done differently and you have to work within different parameters of safety so i honestly believe that the, the 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 safety aspect of catamarans is dictated from seaworthiness on um, this preconception they tip over from watching other catamarans doing the same. I think it is actually very, very, very rare. To counterbalance that, what I'm going to say is that if I were to be caught or if we were to be caught in horrendous weather, like absolutely horrendous weather at sea, Indian Ocean, Typhoon or Monsoon or whatever the hell's going on out there, but we're talking about like serious, you know, Force 12, I would want to be in a monohull. I would, I would want to be in a monohull. I understand them better. They do not capsize. They do sink, but you know, they don't capsize. And sinking tends to be a relatively slow affair, um, giving you time, obviously, to get into your life raft or at least deploy your life raft or, or, you know, seek help or whatever. Well, the counterbalance to that is that if you're in a Force 12 and you start taking shipping water, you know, you get into a life raft, it's, it's, you know, you might... It's, Look, let's face it, those conditions are uh, <laughs> pretty horrible, <laughs> we don't no matter what you're in. Exactly. I mean, I'm puckering up even thinking about that. So, yeah. Okay, so safety at sea, I think it is a, it's, it's a non-issue. And I do think that yeah, it's not something that we consider now, especially with modern weather routing, with the ability to get, you know, to be able to have a, a, a catamaran that, you know, or, or a monohull that really, I don't see any situation where, firstly, you would be sailing voluntarily outside of the, the known um, seasons for, for sailing. You know, if you want to sail across an ocean, 
in poor weather. I mean, obviously, La Vagabond did it, you know, coming back to Europe. I personally wouldn't have made that navigational choice. I understand why they did it, but to me, I wouldn't have done that. I, it, 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 it was, it, it, it goes over my risk, you know, the threshold of risk that I'm willing to take. Um, but you know, you get caught out. I want to be in a monohull, but it's with modern with modern weather routing. If you can see weather coming from 500 miles away, and you can get 500 miles in 24 hours, so you can you can outrun storms. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to the next uh, kind of subcategory, which is livability. Now, I feel like this one's a bit unfair because, I mean, it's really not much of a contest. I think. But um, Catamaran versus Monohull in terms of kind of being a liveaboard and it, it, it being your home and um, the livability. Well, I'm going to turn this on its head, actually, and say that there are many scenarios and instances where Monohull is going to be better to live on board. <laughs> no, no, you're sitting again. What? Okay, let me just put it this way. We talk in all these Catamaran reviews that we've done that you can find, obviously, easily on the internet. We look to ventilation and we look to light and airiness and we look to the space that you get and we look at them and think that's fantastic. But those boats are designed for tropical latitudes, you know, warm areas. You want ventilation, you want you want the space, you want to be able to jump off the back of the boat. You want to be out fish, you want to live comfortably at anchor. And that's all fair and well. But you know, they are designed for that. You want to try taking one of those up to the Arctic Circle. It just, they're useless. I mean, they, they, they would do it, but you don't want ventilation. You want a wood-burning stove. You want an enclosed helm position. You literally want a pilot house, don't you, for things like that. So, yes, livability for what 99% of us probably are going to want to do with a catamaran. They are far better suited to the tropics. Yes, absolutely. No, you're quite right. You have to buy a boat that is you know built for the purpose that you're going to use it for um so there's there's absolutely no doubt about that interestingly where there are these hybrid crafts that are coming out so i think alubat have got one and garcia are building aluminium expedition catamarans yeah well that's that's a very interesting yeah. thing we're, we're gonna gonna definitely take a look at that when they do come out um because that's really something completely new which is exciting well yeah so you're in the best of both worlds but you know the best of both worlds is also the worst of both worlds and well, so you yeah. know there's a lot to be said about aluminium hulls or metal hulls in the tropics where they heat up more and you know galvanic corrosion and all the stuff to do with so so again buying a boat for the purpose that it's spent that it's absolutely built for. And I'm, yeah. yeah so for me what we want to do and i am absolutely i'm an absolute proponent of um warm weather sailing i hate the cold <laughs> um i would you know i know you i know that i rally against it or rail against it but I, I would go to that to the i'd happily go to the you know to high latitudes but in the boat that was designed for it and oh, that for sure that does not involve any sort of exposed helm. I've been at our helm and monohull helms. You know, it, you get cold so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, all I would say is that, to, to be fair, to give, like, obviously a catamaran, you know, all you need to do is jump on board and have a walk around and you can kind of feel how much more spacious they are compared to a monohull of a similar, similar length. However, you're not really comparing apples with apples. You have to look at, let's say, a 40-foot catamaran will have, I mean, a non-performance catamaran that has you know kind of more living space would have roughly the same amount of interior volume as i haven't done the maths but i would say roughly a 50 foot monohull so you have to kind of you can't compare a 40 foot monohull with a 40 foot catamaran that's just blatantly unfair 
Um, so if you are looking at, let's say, a 50 foot monohull versus a 40 foot catamaran, you are going to have some advantages to the monohull because you will have, for example, um, probably a big aft cabin with, um, you know, a, an island berth. You may not have that on a 40 foot catamaran. You will have a bigger galley. You will have a bigger saloon than you would on the catamaran. You probably won't have a bigger cockpit. Um, and obviously, for those of us wanting to spend out, you know, our time in the tropics, a big cockpit is very important. But there are advantages um, in terms of living space to a monohull. And also, very importantly, is that you can uh, put as much as you want onto a monohull. You don't have to worry about, for most monohulls, you don't have to worry about weight. So you can really lay them down with anything and everything that your heart desires if you've got space for it. Whereas a catamaran, they are very weight sensitive. And so you do have to kind of, you know, be a bit more, I guess, um, picky and choosy about the the items that you're putting on board and that might affect your enjoyment if you're really attached to you know your washing machine and your dishwasher and your coffee machine and all these other heavy items and your you know massive shoe collection and god knows what else then perhaps a, a big monohull is um a better option to us i think if you go back to that point about um living in the tropics i think if you took say arbitrarily a 45 foot monohull and you took a 45 foot catamaran with a flybridge, I would suggest that you would have 300% more outside living space in the catamaran. Indeed. So you're looking at a boat which is gonna be, the catamaran is gonna be about two and a half times the width of the monohull. So that gives you 250% extra space that involves the area in front of the trampolines. Um, it involves the you know the large cockpit area you've got as well as helm positions and then if you're you know if you're adding a flybridge you're getting an additional a level of you know space on top of that you know you look to something you know especially the the catamarans are, are built more for kind of the charter market like let's look at uh, just literally example fontaine Pacho 45 you know you've got massive massive cockpit um, area you've now got a swim platform that lowers which is about eight foot wide you've then got all that area forward of the trampoline settees and sofas there you've then got a flybridge with with like lounge beds and god knows what on it i mean literally the zoning area it gives you an incredible amount of space so if you want to live in the tropics if you want a lot of people and you want a charter it's a no-brainer you go for the cat absolutely Yep, absolutely. So, um, but as we said at the very beginning, you know, cost might be a factor and, and the catamarans are a lot more expensive. So, um, okay, so we're not quite finished. We are going to uh, discuss the final category, which is performance. And I feel like this is a bit of a, a difficult one because catamarans are not all built, you know, the same in terms of performance. You get cruising catamarans like the Fontaine Peugeot that Nick mentioned with the, you know, kind of several outdoor lounging areas and the big wide holes. Um, and you get performance catamarans, let, let's say the Utremers or the Sea Winds. Um, so it's kind of a difficult one to compare. Nick, do you want to start off? I think you need to look at the sailing that you want to do. And if we go back to that example I gave before about the AC-72s doing the, you know, the America's Cup, you, you, we are talking about upwind performance. Now, I'm going to make absolutely no bones of it. And despite the fact that we have sailed for, you know, many, many years, the things I cannot stand, I don't like the cold and I'm not particularly a great fan of upward sailing. <laughs> so, um, you know, and there is a reason why that most of us go around the world when we circumnavigate, you know, 
in the direction where you know you've got the trade winds you go trade wind sailing and the, the winds are normally behind you or at least abaft of the beam which gives a far more comfortable point of sail and so pointing ability is not that important if you are going downwind i watched a video i think two days ago on youtube with a, a, a sub 40 foot lagoon doing 20 knots i mean they they fly downwind and we we you know we we've when we served from the Bahamas to Bermuda a couple of years ago, we had a five-day passage and a Lagoon 38. Absolutely, it, it got in like a day before us. Yeah, same same length, um, same whole length, yeah. and uh, yeah, that, actually, and and it was you know big. A family was on board. No. I don't think that that was no. a particularly light catamaran. I think they had plenty of weight on that yeah. boat, and they still got in before us. And I have to say that that really <laughs> that was a bit of a kind of um, a humble moment. No, but look, in all fairness, you can put a parachute on a dumpster and it will sail. But you know, so downwind performance in in you know you know medium to, to strong winds they the boats will sail they will both sail it is to do with a couple of things and really when we're looking at performance we're talking at speed we're looking at pointing ability and then there's also the issue of safety you know tripping up waves you know getting out you know having being pooped you know when the wave comes over the stern of the boat so performance for us we do want performance in that we want to be able to go fast. You know, we do want to be at outrun weather systems. We do want to be at a complete long offshore pastures in shorter spaces of time because it's less tiring on the crew. I mean, we've done now two 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 ocean crossings. You know, and the first time we did it in twenty one days, and you know, I think our average wind strength over those twenty one days was probably mid 20s it was a very very windy crossing you know but so really we should have done that atlantic crossing in three and a half weeks in in our current boat to be able to do that you know that you know 45 foot you know performance catarans are getting in 14 days yeah well just to be clear our, our average speed on that particular crossing was 6.3 knots yeah 6.3 knots yeah so you know but to be able, yeah and, and the thing about it is you know when we're looking at this and we've spent enough time you know twiddling our thumbs on passages nothing to do to be able to actually work out how much uh time point one of a knot gives you i mean it's it's not difficult to work out that you know if you're if you're averaging six knots you know you add you take a knot away from that you go down to five knots that literally you know between five and six you are adding 20 percent time if you're doing five knots you go to six you 20 percent of the time evaporates mm. which you know on a 20-day passage is four days yeah so that one knot is four days at sea and it does it really amplifies in that level so performance for us is going to be important that it the boat when it is off the wind goes fast and stable and you can thrash the living hell out of a boat so that, and it will go fast but is it going to be stable and comfortable and that is important you know ruby rose currently she sits pretty happily six and a half knots she's fine she will sail easily at seven and a half knots is she comfortable at seven and a half knots no not really not usually no. so you want a boat that is designed to go fast so that you're not pushing the point at which the boat feels uncomfortable because she's you know th you know throwing you around too much so you know thrashing it to its limits is not what you want so we want a boat that will cruise and this is the important thing cruise at around at least 10 knots and that's why I, that's where i've got ruby rose 2 in my mind you know keeping the weight down off wind cruising averaging 10 knots and so just to be just to come back to the catamaran versus the mono monohole kind of topic we think that catamarans generally unless you want good pointing ability um, will perform better than a monohull. 
if you are looking at wetted areas, now we're going into, we are coming into an age of foiling monoholes. So we're just gonna go with what has previously passed. So there aren't that many non-foiling monoholes at the moment. So if you look to- There aren't that many foiling monoholes. Sorry, there are, sorry foiling monoholes, correct me, yeah. You know, you're looking at wetted area um, in the water, which obviously adds to dragged adds drag so the less resistance you have the less water resistance the faster that boat goes because it's not being held back so a catamaran off the wind which has far less wetted surface in the water comparable to the same length monohull with the same sail area will fly yes just because you don't have that drag so yes performance off the wind with catamarans should be should be far greater obviously the closer you get to the wind the the point the way that you know as you you know you lose your pointing ability but also performance drops off especially when you don't have dagger boards right so yeah for us we will invariably get there faster safer and more, safer and more comfortably in a catamaran because of all the things i've mentioned the fact that we will only go off wind mm, yep. indeed all right, well, I hope that that um, clears things up for you. <laughs> or just continues the debate. <laughs> I'm not sure that was um, crystal clear. But I think that we highlighted a few kind of categories that you ought to be thinking about when you're comparing catamarans and monoholes and um, discussed kind of the, the various points. Um, I mean, look, this is, a, as I said at the very beginning, a topic that people get very um, kind of it can become quite heated this topic and uh i think that at the end of the day our personal feeling is that it doesn't actually really matter i know that this is kind of a slightly ridiculous thing to say after all this but genuinely if you are thinking about buying a boat and setting off into the sunset you know you, you may think that a catamaran is is the only answer for you and i think that a lot of people who intend to cruise but haven't done much sailing before they do want the, particularly if they have a family perhaps you know they do want a catamaran and i i totally understand that but if budget comes into it which it so often does and you have to say save for another three or four years to get that catamaran then my strong strong advice is just to buy the monohull that you can afford now and get going sooner rather than later because at the end of the day the sailing there's differences but we're all out on the water together we're all sitting at the same anchorage we're all watching the same sunsets you know really at the end of the day you're going to have the same experience but if it monohull means that you can get out there sooner do it yeah i tend to agree i i think i i obviously think now that actually whether you are looking to catamaran or monohull doesn't matter what you're looking at but you have plans and those plans are linked to in five years, in 10 years, in whatever, if the current global situation does not make you rethink and think, you know what, this is a fragile world that we live in and things aren't as secure as they, we thought they were, just get going. Just buy a smaller boat, whether you buy a smaller catamaran or a smaller monohull, do not, you know, if, if you haven't come out of this thinking, actually, let's just get going, then, then there is, you know, you has, you've got nothing positive out of a pandemic, which has very little positive in it. But hopefully, as we've said, if you come out of this thinking maybe a better way, there is a better way for you and your family, then, you know, that's a win. Yep, absolutely. All right, then. Well, that's that, then. Yeah, that's it. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we are releasing podcasts at the moment at least once a week, if not more often. So please subscribe. And, of course, we have a 
large number of reviews. I think we counted 19 reviews of catamarans, all the catamarans, all the cruising catamarans on the market at the moment. Um, on our YouTube channel. So uh, if you don't already know our YouTube channel, just Google Sailing Ruby Rose and it will come up. It'll be right there. Loads of catamaran reviews as well as all of our sailing vlogs from the last three, three years. years. Three years now. All right, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care. Goodbye.